Come, Lord Jesus, quickly. Many of us are waiting for you, and not one of us will be disappointed. Amen. Growing up in uh, western Iowa as a young boy, uh, my parents were building a house by a lakeside. And um, it was my dad's idea of recreation. Okay. It was a lot of mo lawn mowing and gardening and building and not a lot of time for Legos or toys or playing. And he thought it was a lot of fun. Well, I wasn't so sure as a young boy. I wanted to go outside. Well, we struck a deal later on. If I hung out until and worked hard all day uh, in the morning on Saturday, I could have all afternoon off. So we worked hard. But on Sundays, we'd go to the local little Lutheran church that was getting going in that community. And so we were kind of those, uh, what do you call them, not really snowbird Lutherans that would end up at a different congregation. We were weekend Lutherans at a, a different congregation. And uh, there was a little church there and the pastor. And that's how he started every sermon that he gave. Come, Lord Jesus, quickly. Many of us are waiting for you, and not one of us will be disappointed. It really left a deep impression on my mind on what it means to be part of God's Advent community, his second coming church, waiting expectantly for God to act and work in our lives in a way that we wouldn't be disappointed. I was too young at the time, though, and I didn't understand that. I didn't, I guess, really understand what disappointment is. That comes with things that happen in our lives where we meet our true reality. When things don't work out, when things don't seem to go the way we had planned, where things seem to be very different than what we had hoped for. That's why I think Jesus' words this morning gives us hope. A reason to lift up our heads and look and see the redemption that is here, that is coming near now. That is what he was talking to his disciples about on that very moment when he told them about the end of the world and what it meant for us today. Really? That's the story of Simeon, isn't it? When Jesus goes to the temple, only if eight days old, to be circumcised. Yeah, Luke is amazing in all the different temple references that he gives. Not only that day, but then when he was 12, the story about how he was with his parents and all their relatives, and goes missing 
for three days, and they're searching all over the where, where, all over the city. Where did he go? Right. And where was he? In the temple, in his father's house. So can you imagine now, as we've been journeying with Jesus from Luke chapter 9, and now we're at chapter 21, Last week we were in the temple courts and he was duking it out with, his, uh, with the Sadducees over the resurrection. And now his disciples are looking at this beautiful structure and saying, wow, isn't it beautiful? Wow, this temple, I mean, they, okay, I'll be honest, they were probably from Jude, uh, Galilee, right? They're fishermen. Maybe they haven't seen a lot of big structured buildings. They haven't been to the latte world and look up and see what a magnificent structure this is, right? So maybe they're a little surprised and just kind of in the moment of seeing the gum num of Jerusalem, right? Where all the fancy stuff is. The temple. And how frustrated Jesus must be. Don't you see the temple in himself? How he is the temple of the living God. And how only days away this temple will be torn apart. One of the very difficult images of the cross, of course, is the nailing of the cross. But that's only part of the pain. It's the actual physical dislocation of your joints that becomes excruciating to the criminal that's hanging there. It was considered the most painful way to put someone to death, taking days for it to happen and no mercy at all. No wonder the psalmist says, my, all my joints are out of place. Right? When he suffered on the cross, he was literally being torn apart physically, undoing the very sinews and shoulders. Anybody had a hip replacement recently? Or shoulder? Whoa, that can be some pretty painful stuff. And he did it for you and for me. That he might build a temple. A physical temple that isn't made by human hands, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. You and me. To build faith in us. That we would be a people 
that would be able to look past the real disappointments in life and see the truth of his eternal love, his grace, and his mercy, not only for us, but for all people. And that we are his instruments now to spread that news to other people. I'll be honest, yesterday was a little bit challenging. Um, just a few months ago, my family buried my mother. But we do things a little differently in America. You don't really see everything you see here in Korea. You don't see the big bulldozer come and push the dirt over the casket. You don't see it tamp it down in the ground to remind you that that person is now not coming out. Sometimes life is like that. We feel like we're being tamped down by the disappointments or things that happen that just don't happen the way we expected them to be. And we can feel despondent, like the whole world is coming to an end. And yet, to understand that our Savior experienced that for you and for me, that his body was put into a grave to sanctify all graves because he's no longer there. He's alive. And even though, yes, unless he comes beforehand, I'm going to meet the same fate. I know that my Redeemer lives and that I will stand and see him with my own eyes. That was Job's hope. That was his faith. That's your faith and my faith. As we come to the end of this journey with Jesus, we see that it's not the end of the road. Doom and destruction, the end of the world. But it's the moment that our redemption has come. And why we as his people gather each week to encourage one another with his word and be reminded through his Holy Spirit that he offers himself even to us today to see his redemption in his body and blood given and shed for us, broken apart into little pieces for us, that we would be gathered together as one, as one. Next week is the last Sunday of the church year. We'll finish our sermon on Luke's gospel. Maybe you're excited about that. But take time. It's a long chapter. 
It's the whole crucifixion of Jesus. The journey that he was taking to build us together as his people of God. And in his name, amen.